0: What is going to happen? How's this going to end? He had seen better days. He was trying to do his best. He's he's in this foreign place, a place that he doesn't know. He's training. He's learning. He's trying to figure out these, these new skills, these new powers that he's been made aware of. But his friends are in trouble. They need him. But his teacher is telling them, no, you shouldn't go. You need to stay here, and you need to continue training, but he he feels like he has to go help his friends, and so in the end, he disregards his teacher's encouragement, and he leaves. What's going to happen? He doesn't really know what to expect. He's being told, hey, this thing is a trap, and eventually he is guided down to this kind of this really weird, awkward room. And there waiting for him is his enemy. Man, it's now a showdown. It's time to face off. As this plays out, you begin to see, oh man, it looks like he's overmatched. What's going to happen? How is this going to end? And as we're watching this whole thing play out, we're right on the edge of our seats. And then these words hit us. I am your father. Wait a minute, what? What? Wait, is, is Darth Vader really Luke Skywalker's dad? Man, I just didn't see this coming. Wait a minute, wait, wait. What, what do, now all these questions come into our mind. Wait a minute, is, is he really his dad? What about Obi-Wan Kenobi? What did he say? And like, man, did Yoda know? I mean, like, I don't know, he's just in this other place. But like, what is going on? I mean, like, gosh, and then you're kind of like, wait a minute, if that really is his dad, he just cut off his own son's hand. Man, apparently now my, my parents don't seem so bad. <laughs> And, and you know, then, then Luke Skywalker, he escapes. But we're left with all these questions as they are just kind of on a ship going through the galaxy. It's just like, wait a minute. What now? Wait, what about Han Solo? He's still trapped in, in carbonite. And, and hey, what, what, what does this mean for, for the emperor and for uh, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and all of these things? And we're just kind of left with this cliffhanger. This, hey... So there's more to come, to be continued. And in case you haven't wondered, this is Star Wars, and if you're like, what do I need to do now? I've never seen that. Now you know what the rest of your day is going to look like. <laughs> but the, we, there, there's these things that, that a lot of happens in a lot of movies, these cliffhangers. I mean, what are some other big cliffhangers? You know, We could have some interaction here, some big cliffhangers that you could think of in a movie or in a story. What are some that you could think of? Top gun they technically started World War III. So. Okay, yeah, that's not that wasn't on my radar. You, you know, the top gun it's like, what's gonna happen? World War Three. Awesome. One of the big ones I could think of was uh, Infinity War, Avengers. You know, you I mean it's, it just kind of ends with with half the Avengers getting dusted and then you're just like, Well what are they gonna do now? And so the point of the point of all of these things in a movie is to be is to let the audience know, hey, there's more coming. Hey, We want you to keep plugged in because there's more of a story to tell, to keep you guessing. But in those movies, you know, there is the Empire Strikes Back has Return of the Jedi. Infinity War does have Endgame. And here in Acts, we followed Paul, the apostle, all, all over the place. We followed him all, all on these different islands. He's preaching the gospel. Some people like him. Some people don't. We follow him to Jerusalem. He gets The Jews uh, come after him. He gets put in prison. And then he, we follow him to Caesarea. He's there for two years. We follow him with the, all these conversations with Felix, with Festus, with Agrippa. He appeals to Caesar. And we follow him out into the sea and into these storms. And it's like, all right. Hey, he's going he's gonna to testify in Rome before Caesar and then we get to chapter 28, and it's just like, is that it? Wait a minute, this doesn't really seem very much of an ending here, Luke. I mean, you just kind of were you running short on paper and pen, you know, ink, and you're just kind of like, well, let's just kind of wrap this thing up. There we go. I mean, what what happens? Why does Luke end it this way? I mean, remember how Luke actually started this book to begin with, and. He says, right at the beginning, he says, in my former book, he's writing to this guy, Theophilus, and and when he's talking about his former book, he's talking about the gospel uh, of Luke. And he says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus had begun to do and teach. And until that day, he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. He's saying, hey, I wrote to you in Luke about what Jesus began to do. And now this book of Acts is to let you know about what Jesus continued to do through the power of the Holy Spirit through his church. And his, could Luke be doing something like that here and why he ends it the way he does. And so today, as we wrap up the book of Acts, we're just going to uh, look through the, the, the power of the gospel in its beginnings to kind of look back, because this chapter does serve as a lot of ways to look back at the rest of the book. And then we're going to look at the gospel power continued. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Acts 28. If you've gone to Romans, you've gone a little too far. And so now Paul has arrived in Rome He isn't in a prison or a dungeon. He's a Roman citizen. So he's kind of placed basically under house arrest. And in verse 17, it says that he, after he spent three days there, he calls together the the local Jewish leaders and he wants to talk with them. And, um, you know, he's kind of trying to let them know, Hey, these other charges, they came against me, but I made no charges against you or against any of the Jews, and so he's trying to just, hey, to make sure, uh, to build this relationship with them, um, to know, uh, for them to just fill in all these things, hey, I'm not trying to get back at anybody, I have no desire for vengeance, and hey, I was t- telling people about the hope of Israel, and they say, okay, hey, great, we'd like to meet with you again, I'd like to hear more of your perspective, and then it, after Paul shares with them, it says that, well, some, some believed, some didn't. And then eventually they all get mad and they leave and you're like, man, this sounds like we've heard this story before many times in the book of Acts. It seems pretty repetitive. And so just as we look at this, we're just going to be looking at the gospel power beginnings, gospel power beginnings. And this will be somewhat of, we're going to use this chapter to be a flashback to the rest of the book. And so here, here's the first thing that we see here that we've seen in the rest of the book is this. It was focused on Jesus and the word of God. It was focused on Jesus and the word of God. Look at verse um, 23. After arranging a day with, with him, that's Paul, the, the Jews are mean with him, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn till dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. And so, so Paul is like, hey, I'm talking to you about who Jesus is. This whole gospel uh, movement, this whole gospel power that we have, it's because of what, who Jesus is and what the word of God has revealed him to be. And so he's totally focused on this. And, and um, this is actually very similar to how the, the gospel of Luke ends. Remember Jesus when he's on the road to Emmaus with, the, with a couple of disciples? They don't actually recognize him. And it says that Jesus began to open up the scriptures to them, teaching them about who he is and how the Messiah must suffer and die and be raised again, like from the law and the prophets. And so what Jesus did, and Luke has that emphasis on the scripture, Paul is doing, and we see this actually throughout the book of Acts. We see this emphasis on the word of God. It says that early on, Peter, the apostle, he taught from the word. The church, they prayed for boldness to speak the the word of God. The Holy Spirit filled them to proclaim the word of God. It says uh, that uh, the word multiplied. The word of God spread. They were scattered and went about preaching the word. People received the word. Paul, when he's meeting with the elders in Ephesus, he's, he committed to them the word of God's grace. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. And so, guys, we see that, hey, as the church, as, as we see what Jesus continued to do after he ascended, what is this focus on? It's focused on Jesus Through the word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we have that same charge for us today. It's just to keep focused on Jesus as we see him revealed through the word of God. The other thing that we see in this is that we see the gospel power in that God saves the unlikely. God saves the unlikely to, to bring them into right relationship with him. Look at verse 28. Paul says, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul's talking to Jews in Rome. And if you were to expect anybody to trust in Jesus, a Jewish Messiah, who do you think it would be? Right? It's not a, it's not a complicated answer. I would also take Jesus, but right. Jews, right? Jews were the ones that had the word of God. Jews were the ones that were actually awaiting a Messiah in the first place. But we see over and over again, these people that grew up in church are not the ones that are really listening. Over and over again, we see that, man, God is saving these these unlikely people. The ones that you wouldn't expect. Early, I mean, just again, going through the book of Acts, we see that people from Samaria are trusting in Jesus. We see a magician A random Ethiopian eunuch, we see a persecuting Pharisee trusting Jesus, a bedridden paralytic, a Roman centurion, a wealthy businesswoman, a jailer who is about to take his own life turns to Jesus, people who worship numerous Greek gods, people who made a living off of selling idols, people who practiced magic arts, people who lived in Israel, Asia, Greece, Rome, Africa, even in the book of Philippians. Paul, when he's, hey, he actually writes when he's under house arrest during this time. Paul, he says, man, what, now that I'm under house arrest and I'm being chained to a guard all day, we're seeing the gospel spread and it's being made known to the whole imperial guard. At the end of Philippians, he says, man, and those who are in Caesar's household greet you in the name of Jesus. Meaning, hey, the people that are around Caesar are coming to know Jesus. Who would you think again would come to know Jesus? Man, people that have their life together. The people that seem to be doing okay. People that grew up in church. That that parent at the PTO meeting. Person working at the local food bank. But over and over again, we see that God is saving the unlikely. The the person that you at least likely suspect would maybe want anything to do with Jesus. A person that doesn't have their life in order, the person that's depressed, the person that, that is super messy and broken. And I think even many times in our own relationship with God, we think that God is only interested in us when we have our life together. Right, man, my week was good. God, I did all my spiritual disciplines. Now God wants to relate to me. But over and over again, we see in Acts that, man, that's really not the case, that God is only interested in those who have their life put together. I mean, even in verse 31, what is it? Uh, or in verse 30, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him. Welcomed all. It doesn't say, and Paul welcomed all who voted like him. Paul welcomed all who thought like him, who thought about COVID like him, who thought about mass like him. Who, who just agreed with him about everything, who had the same sports team, who made the same kind of income. No, it just says, hey, anybody that's willing to listen to the word of God, I'm welcoming all of them because Paul knows something that we've also seen throughout Acts is that, hey, what unites us is none of these superficial things that we tend to grab onto. What unites us is who God is and who he's made us. That we are all people made in the image of God that are all broken, that are all sinful, that are all dead, but we all have the same Savior in Jesus Christ who saves us by His grace. And so therefore, I could welcome you, anybody in here, because why? This isn't what unites us. Jesus is what unites us. Isn't that like Christ? Jesus welcomed everybody. I mean, if you think about it, if Jesus welcomed only people that were like Him, then the thought would be, well, hey, are you perfect? Nope. Hey, are you totally like God? Not today, I'm not. Right, But Jesus is like, actually you're, actually, you're really nothing like me. I'm perfect. I am fully God. And in me, there is no darkness, but in you, there is. Please come to me. So Jesus says, man, come to me. All of you who are burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest for your souls. Because you can't find that in yourself. And so we, we see that, man, God is welcoming all in this, saving the unlikely. And Paul even distinguishes, though, hey, you know what the difference is between people that maybe you think would trust in Christ and people that wouldn't? And he he says this here in this passage, and he he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, and he says this in 26 and 27, man, go to these people and say, well, you will always be listening, but you're really not listening, and you're never understanding. And you're looking, but you're never perceiving, for their hearts of the people have grown callous, they've grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing. Saying the people that are responding in faith are those who are listening. Those who are not callous and dull of heart. Those that are not prideful. Those that are not looking to themselves for all the answers. Right? But the, they're the ones that are listening. But he's telling the Jews, hey, you're not listening. And and over and over again, we see in the book of Acts that the word of God, that God is revealing to himself, that he's speaking to people. And it pushes this question on us, man, are you listening? Because pretty much everybody seems to be hearing, but not everybody's listening. Jesus can be right in front of you. His truth can be shared, being shared to you. His love can be, sh- be being shown and poured out to you. And you could miss Jesus because you're just not listening. That's just a question I have for you, man. Are you really listening to God? really listening to, to Him revealing Himself to you? Really listening to the gospel? Has your heart become dull and hard? Because... I mean, hearing the word of God is always going to cause a response from us. And the same sun that melts ice hardens clay. And I think just a question, man, is like, hey, what, what is the word of God doing? Is your heart melting? Because, man, God, I, I want to just receive you. Or is it just becoming hardened clay? It's like, no, nah, I don't want anything to do with you. And I just want to encourage you. Like right now, if you're like, yeah, you know what? That has been me. I just really wanted. I haven't been receiving the word of God. I don't, I haven't received Jesus. And I just say, hey, whatever it is that you're past, whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever it is that you think that you've done, whatever it is that you, you maybe think that God really thinks of you, man, the book of Acts is telling you, hey, God saves the unlikely. God could save you wherever you're at. He's welcoming all. And if you don't know Jesus, if you've never trusted him as your savior, man, turn to Christ today. You could be saved. It's not because of anything that you've done. It's not because your life is in order. It's not because you have everything figured out. It's not because you think you're a good person or you haven't done any of these really bad things. It's because of none of that. It's totally because Jesus said, hey, that, they deserve death. They deserve the sin, but I'll pay for their sin. And he died in our place. And so I just encourage you, trust in Christ. And so we see... We see the focus on Jesus. We see the focus on, on his word, that he saves the unlikely, and we see gospel power in that he uses the unlikely. I mean, well, you kind of get to the the end of the book of Acts, and you think, man, Paul's a stud. And I mean, I don't know if you guys think it, but I read these stories, and I'm like, man, I don't feel like I'm like Paul at all. <laughs> I mean, he just seems awesome. And I'm like reading about it, how awesome he is. But if you remember, I mean, who was Paul in the beginning? I mean, he was a guy that was going door to door, dragging people out of their homes, dragging people away from their families, and persecuting people. I mean, if you're like looking at that guy, and you're like, oh, that's the type of guy that God's going to use. You're th- I mean, no, none of us are thinking that. You're like, man, that's the type of guy that I would like God to punk, take care of. But we see this over and over again, just, just in, in how all of this, Goes on, and that 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 God is using the unlikely. I mean, look at Peter. Look at all of the apostles. They're fishermen, a tax collector who everybody would have despised. Some guy that's just you know a zealot. You're like, I don't know what that is. You know, I don't know. He's just passionate about stuff. <laughs> you know, Thomas, the doubter. Even the, the, the Jews refer to these guys, man, they're just un, they're uneducated, ordinary, common people. God's using them. God used Luke to be, a, to, to be with Paul, to encourage him to write this book. God used refugees in Priscilla and Aquila. God used people that aren't even named here in the book of Acts. Many times they arrive, I mean, Paul, he arrives here in Rome and there's already believers there. How did they get there? Is it because some apostle, megastar came to Rome and then had a revival and then started a church? Nope. We don't know. But it is really just some person, some business person, some farmer, some merchant that just came to Rome, shared the gospel, and God worked through them. And you see that multiple places, just these nameless people, God works through ordinary people to do his extraordinary work. And it just shows that the power of the gospel is not in us. It's not in in these, you know, superstar preachers. It's just in ordinary people. Because it's not in how awesome we are. What, What did Jesus say? Hey, stay here, wait here, and you will receive awesome evangelistic skills. Man, you will know how to do all of the apologetic work and answer everybody's questions. Just stay here and wait for those things, and then the church can get going. That's not what happened, right? Hey, just just wait here in Jerusalem until your kind of life looks super amazing and everybody would want to be like you then the church can get going. That's not what he says. Jesus says, wait right here for you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's where the power is, is in my spirit living in you. And so God just works through these ordinary people. And so wherever you're at, if you're like, man, can God really use me? Yeah, he uses the unlikely. The uneducated, common, doesn't have everything together has doubts, feels anxious, gets depressed, person to do his extraordinary work because the Holy Spirit is on you. Other thing we see is that the gospel, the gospel is worth sacrificing for. Look at, at verse 20. Paul says this, he's talking to, um, to the Jews. He says, for this reason, I've asked to come and speak to you because, Hey, um, you know, I just want to make sure that you don't think that I'm out for vengeance or anything like that. He says, in fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Hey, you want to know why I'm, I'm under house arrest. You know, we want to know why I'm doing all of this stuff. It's because the hope of Israel, it's the hope of the world in Jesus Christ. And we see Paul continue time and time again, sacrificing for the gospel. Look at verse 30. Paul stayed uh, two whole years in his own rented house. I mean, get that. Okay. You were put, I mean, Paul was put on, uh, he was arrested for doing nothing wrong, except trying to help people know God. Then he gets thrown in jail for two years. Nobody has any real charges against him, but this continues to go on. So he appeals to Caesar. So now you're going, you're, you're waiting to go to Caesar to have this trial that you've done nothing wrong for. That's a lame trial. And then you're fitting the bill for the whole thing. I mean, that stinks. I mean, I mean, how do you met man, you know what? Gosh, you know, I just went to the store today and somebody had an accusation because I went to the store and, i'm under house arrest and i'm just waiting trial and i got to pay the bill for it all i mean that's bad but we don't see paul complaining about any of this he doesn't say like gosh man these roman guards have to be chained to me all day but you don't see him complaining, but proclaiming and for us to just remember man obedience to christ isn't always easy actually maybe it's rarely easy I think many times we think, hey, if I obey Jesus and follow him, then on the other side of it is butterflies and rainbows. That's kind of what should happen, right? God, I did my part, now you do your part. That's the deal, right? But we see that actually so many times God works in power when it's like, hey, we're sacrificing for the gospel. I mean, Paul's been beaten, he's been stoned, he's been ridiculed, falsely accused, Faced all of these hardships and it's why? Because Jesus, the gospel, is worth it. I mean, guys, any of the things that we that we might face in following Jesus, any of the the things that we might face in just proclaiming the gospel is all worth it. And here's why there is no other hope for any of us. There is no any hope for your neighbor, for your coworker, for your friend, your relative, there's no hope for you nothing outside of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus said, "I am the way the truth and life and nobody comes to the Father but through me." In Acts 4:12 it says, "Salvation is found in no one else, no one other than Jesus for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we can be saved." Paul says in Romans 1:16, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel because It is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. Jesus is our only hope. It's not found in any government policy. It's not found in yourself. It is only in Jesus. Nothing that this world has to offer comes close. Even just like that song, all the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You try it. Try to do all these things, and it just never works, right? Because Jesus is our only hope. Last thing that we see in this is that we see um, the gospel power in its advancement and triumph. Acts provides kind of these summary statements every once in a while uh, throughout the book. Um, In Acts... Um, six verse 7, it says that, So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and large groups of priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 9. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Acts 12. But the word of God spread and multiplied. Acts 19. In this way, the word of the, word of the Lord spread and prevailed. And then we see this here in Acts 28. 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ without, with, with all boldness and without hindrance. Man, the gospel won't be stopped. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all of these times we see people sacrificing for the gospel, facing all these hardships, all these people raising up to resist it. But what happens, man, the word of God continues to go. The word of God continues to be spread and be multiplied from city to city, town to town, island to island, person to person, home to home. And it's not just just getting some people to swap religions. Hey, don't do that anymore. Now just kind of swept over to this kind of different thing. No, it's, hey, I want you to know the living God. And, And we see it just... Just here, you know, that Jesus said in Matthew 16, He says, Hey, upon that rock, upon the rock of the gospel, upon the rock that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the living God, upon that rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus wasn't just saying a cool line. What Jesus said was true. And we see in Acts, yeah, it was true word of god is continuing to go saving the unlikely using the unlikely it's worth sacrificing for it's advancing in triumph and so this helps us to just see yeah the power of the gospel in the early church but it, even as we read this chapter again we just come to it but like okay but what about paul all right you know he ends here he's under house arrest but but it, luke kind of leaves us on this cliffhanger well now what what about, what about Caesar? Did he ever get to him? What happened there? And um, it doesn't really mention anything. It just says that he's welcoming, welcoming everybody, proclaiming the gospel. And you know, during this time, from, from just other resources, the scriptures, um, church history, you see that. Hey, during, the, during those two years that Paul is under house arrest, he writes four books of the Bible. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. And that's awesome. Even just during this rough time, God is still using him in an incredible way. Some of my favorite books of the Bible. During this time, Paul meets uh, Tychus, some with a T, I can't say it right now, some guy, uh, Epaphroditus, and he run, also meets a runaway slave named Onesimus who comes to know Jesus. Again, in Philippians, while Paul is under house arrest, says that all the imperial guard is starting to know about the gospel and why I'm in chains. And those who are in Caesar's household greet you in the name of Jesus because they've trusted in Christ. From Paul's letters in 2 Timothy, we could see that actually he, it seems like he was released uh, from this at some later time. And then uh, actually went back and was arrested again and had a different trial because he speaks of, uh, of facing a second trial and it, from church history. Paul was arrested in 67 AD and was beheaded in Rome by the order of the emperor Nero. But why doesn't Luke mention any of that? I mean, Luke's with him. Luke's right there with him. He's been telling a story after story. Hey, Paul did this. Paul did this. And we're kind of left with this like, well, what about the rest of the story? What about Caesar? What about the Jews? What happened to Paul? And it's just very anticlimactic, kind of this letdown what happened? What happened to Paul? And what Luke is is urging us to see is, hey, this isn't about Paul. This whole story that I've been telling you, this isn't about Paul. Paul is not the hero of Acts. The hero of Acts is Jesus. This whole thing I've been telling you about is Jesus. And I don't need to tell you about exactly what happened to Paul because he's not the point. Jesus working through his church, people filled with the Holy Spirit, with the word of God, sharing the gospel. That's what this story is about. The book is not, the book might be finished, but the mission of Jesus isn't. And that's just the, that's the point. Gospel power continued. To be continued. Guys, Luke is inviting us. To ask that question, well, well now what? what? What now? And Luke's answer is, there's still more to come. There's still more to come. You reading this book, not just what is Paul, God going to do through Paul, now I want you to ask the question, what is God going to do through you? Yeah. What does God have in store for you? What does God have in store for his church? as it continues to proclaim, because here the gospel cannot be stopped. What Jesus continued to do. And so we're, we're invited into the next chapter. I know some of you, but hey, but Ricky, that's, that's all awesome. Thanks for the pep talk. Yeah. But man, I'm not really good at sharing. I don't really know how to share the gospel. Super awesome. What about that? What if, what if somebody, you know, asked me a question and I don't know the answer to that? And just like we see here in Acts, it isn't your power. It isn't the polish of your presentation. It's the word of God, the Holy Spirit working through you. Acts eight. Right? You will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These aren't just some stories that we're reading about that happened a couple thousand years ago, and it's like, cool. They were filled with some awesome Holy Spirit, but it's totally different today. No, it's the same word, it's the same gospel, it's the same Savior, and it's the same Holy Spirit that fills us, that works through us. And, and, and I think sometimes it's other questions like, man, but hey, that's awesome, but what about this, this person, this person, man, gosh, is God really going to work in their life? I mean, I really want him to, but man, can he? Will he really work in their life? Man, we just saw God saves the unlikely, people that you would never suspect, people that have, that you would just think, gosh, they probably want nothing to do with God. God saves a bunch of weirdo people, and he's still doing that today rescuing people, redeeming people, bringing them to himself, adopting them as a son or a daughter. People that are broken, people that are messy, people that are addicted, depressed, lonely, people that grew up in church and never set, set foot in one. Man, if you're wondering, man, gosh, this, this, that sounds all great and I'll, hopefully I'll see that happen, but man, can God really use me? I mean, like, I just don't know. I'm a nobody. Man, God uses the unlikely. Use Paul. Use Use Peter business people, all that, you know, he uses the unlikely people that are just teachers, stay at home parents, students, dropouts, people without a degree, people that are blue collar, white collar, people with hurt, people with pain. He's using people and we're just all imperfect people looking to a perfect savior. God uses you. And I, and I get, you know, I, I get it. Even, even as I say this, you know, it's like, hey, that's, that's pretty cool. But man, gosh, pursuing people that don't know Jesus, that's hard. Inviting people into your home, inviting people into your life, having these conversations with people, loving on people that are sometimes hard to love, man, that's, that's inconvenient. It's tough. And I'll admit, I don't always like it. I don't always, I'm like, yeah, you want to come over to my house? Oh, But here's the thing, man. it's worth it because why? There is no other hope. Your neighbor, your coworker, you yourself have no other hope. There is nothing, no one that we can look to to rescue us, to give us rest for our souls. There's nothing other than Jesus Christ. I get it. It's uncomfortable. And if you're ever like, man, and it can feel bold. Gosh, you know, we read about all this boldness, and it's like, man, I want boldness. And if you're ever just wondering, like, gosh, I don't know about that. One, ask the Holy Spirit for help. Ask God for help. But then also, even just remember, I mean, like it ends the chapter. Paul was proclaiming the word of God with all boldness and without hindrance. And just remember, man, Jesus came to you with all boldness and without hindrance. He didn't let anything hinder himself coming to you. You were lost. You were dead. He's like, man, I'm not going to let anything stand in my way. And we ask this question sometimes. Just who is your one? Who's your one person in your life that maybe doesn't know Jesus that God's placed you in their life, around them, to maybe share the love of Christ with. To be a friend, to build a relationship, to pray for, to share what Jesus has done in your life. Who's your one? The gospel movement doesn't stop in Acts, but it continues through us, through you. It's not, yeah, the book's done, it's the end, but it's not the end of what Jesus is doing. Right? And I, you know, I think sometimes we could just. We turn on the news and it's all this amazing stuff. Right? We, we turn on the news and it's just like, man, I don't know. What's going on? Man, is God really at work? Is God really doing anything? Does God really care? Is God's. Still pursuing people, really. And here, I just want to tell you, I know that He is, and I want to tell you why. I know that God is still at work,ing that He's still pursuing people, and because I I know that He's still pursuing me, I am not some awesome just guy that that doesn't struggle with sin, that doesn't struggle with doubt, that doesn't struggle with insecurities. I know that there is times where it's just like, man, my affections for you, Jesus, are pathetic. But he still pursues me. He's still coming after me, revealing himself to me. Man, Ricky, I love you, Ricky. Gosh, do you know what I think about you, man? I've made you completely my son, completely. Not because of anything that you've done, Ricky, but because, man, you're my boy and I've saved you. And so come to me now in the name of Jesus, not because of your great week, but, man, God. And I I know that God is still working in me, still pursuing me. And if he's still doing that for me, surely he's still doing that in this world. Surely he's still doing that in the people in your life and the people that are around you. He's not done. He's alive and he's at work. Church, let's just hop in with what God is doing, our good, great God that is just trying, because we have the same Savior that they did in Acts. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same Word of God, the same gospel. And he is alive today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God. Lord, we thank you that you're not done. We thank you, God, that, that you are pursuing us. Lord, that, that you are at work, and no matter how crazy this world seems, we could totally get caught up in just all the, just the junk and the mess, but Lord, you're alive. And Lord, help us to not feel like we're some sort of like way less than than Paul, or way less than the church back then. Lord, we, you have given us everything that we need. Your spirit, your presence, your power, and, and Jesus, you promised that, and I, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority in heaven has been given to us, so therefore go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. I'm with you. And so, Lord, help us to cling to that truth. Help us to cling to those promises, Lord, because you are alive and you're working. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.